Welcome into the Flat Rock Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Hunt, and on today's episode, we're going to be breaking down what to expect in Brian Kelly's first year at LSU. Now, before we get into that, guys, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe, as that really helps our channel grow. Now, with all that out of the way, let's get into it. Welcome to the Flat Rock Sports Podcast, your daily source for all things college football. And now your host, Christian Hunt. So taking a look back at Brian Kelly before he got to LSU, I found some interesting numbers here. I want to break down for you, okay? First up, let's take a look at it. He currently has a 263 uh, win record to 96 losses. He trails only Nick Saban, right, in winning percentage. He's made it to the college football playoffs twice, right? Back in 2020, he had nine players drafted. So he knows how to coach talent, right? I mean, that's the that's the great part of this is he knows how to coach talent. He knows how to go out there and get the best of it. Like I said, he's made it to the college football playoff twice. Um, let's see here. He also made it to the BCS National Championship game in 2013, and that was versus Bama. So he's been to the playoff or the championship game, right, back when it was the BCS three times. Let's take a look at this. He's been blown out in all three of those games. I think twice to Alabama, once to Clemson. So it kind of to me, you know, it, again, it, to me, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Lincoln Riley, right? Like at Oklahoma, where they can make it to the dance. Hey, making it to the dance, maybe even winning a couple of these big games throughout the year. They have no problem with that. Their problem lies in being able to make it when it counts, right? In the playoffs, which is... If you're going to be consistent, it'd probably be better to do it in the playoffs than in the regular season, right? I'm just saying. Now, he did win two national championships, though, at the Division II level while he was at Grand Valley State. All right? So that is worth noting. He's at least been consistent, but that was way back in the day. I think that was in the early 2000s, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, right? So it's uh, it's been a while since he's been at that championship level, right? Now, he has had some controversy. Okay, as he actually had to vacate wins back from the 2013 and 2012 season as a tutor was caught doing schoolwork for their players while he was at Notre Dame. Right. That's not necessarily great. Right. But any school that's worth their salt out there, you know, at this level, there always seems to be a little bit of controversy. There's always going to be something right that kind of happens and goes on that can you know, get you in some hot water, right? I mean, it, it does happen. Uh, this year when he was hired to Louisiana State University uh, at a basketball game, his introductory basketball game, right? He was uh, <laughs> recorded having a fake Southern accent, right? Y'all, Tigers, you know, come on now, man. You can't, you can't be doing that, right? It, it, it's just not, it's not a good look, right? Now, he actually stated, right, this was a couple days ago at the SEC Media Days, LSU isn't behind anybody, right? They're not behind anyone at the NIL deals, right? Come on. You know what I'm saying? This is this kind of goes back into what we've been talking about a lot with NIL and college football. And, like, you've got coaches coming out here saying how much their guys are making. You've got coaches saying we're not losing to anybody. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. Look, I'm just saying the NCAA, they messed up. And we'll talk about this probably on tomorrow's episode. I want to get into that, but you can't be out here as a coach saying, you know, I, I get it, right? Like I understand where he's coming from because he's saying, 
we're, we're competitive with everybody, right? I mean, if he sits there and says, we're not competitive, well, then he's just shooting himself in the foot. But come on now, you know, we, we shouldn't be at this point. Now, currently, he's making $9 million a year. That's three times what he was making, by the way, at Notre Dame. He went from making 2.67 mil a year to 9 mil a year uh, at LSU. He's got LSU ranked as the number eight, they're number eight in recording, uh, in recruiting, not recording, sorry. They're number eight in recruiting right now. So that's pretty interesting to see what they're doing. Let's see here. He assigned the number three transfer portal class. Okay, that's pretty big. He's gonna have a lot of talent that's coming in and he's gonna he's gonna be able to maintain a lot of talent, right? Look, here's the thing. When I went back and I started looking at it, he's averaged the 12th best recruiting class over the last five years. The guy can recruit, all right? He's a good recruiter. He can get you to the school. And he does a good job. We, we did mention that, right? He does do a good job at managing that talent and getting them to the next level, right? But let's take a little bit further look at who he's got uh, for LSU this year, right? He does have a quarterback battle going on, right? Is This year it's going to be between Miles Brennan, who's been there forever, right? And transfer Jaden Daniels. Now, Brennan, to me, he got hurt last year, okay? going in, And so this year he's going to be going into his sixth year. Right to me, think of it like he's a more talented version, if you will, of a guy like Stetson Bennett. Now, I like Stetson Bennett. There isn't no qualms about that, right? But just when you look at a guy like Miles Brennan on paper, that's what he reminds me of. He reminds me of a little bit taller, more gifted Stetson Bennett, right? He's been around the program forever. Jaden Daniels is a guy that, like I said, he transferred in from Arizona State uh, in the offseason. Last year, he put up 3,000 yards and 16 total touchdowns, right? So he's a talented guy. He can throw and run, right? But he's got a he's gonna be playing different competition than you know a little bit watered down Pac-12 out there, right? They're starting running back John Emery. He was academically ineligible last year, so he did not play, right? So they're gonna have to get that part figured out. They do have one of the best wide receivers in the country, though, in Kayshawn Boutte, right? Who had nine touchdowns last year before getting hurt. They are going to have to figure out the O-line as they only have one returning one returning starter from last year, okay? that o, The O-line for them is going to be the biggest question mark. If their O-line can play good, they're going to be they're going to be looking pretty good going forward, right? Now, here's the thing, right? Majority of their defensive secondary, majority of their defensive secondary is all transfers. So it's guys that haven't played together. You know, they're, they're talented guys in their own right, but they're getting these guys in and they're transferring from other leagues, other divisions, whatever. They're going to have to figure that out. Their secondary is probably their weakest part of this or their, their biggest question mark, right? I don't want to say it's a weak weakness necessarily yet. It's just an unproven part. They do get back linebackers BJ Ojolari and Mike Jones. So that should go a long way, right? The thing is, they're getting back a guy like BJ Ojolari, whose brother, by the way, played at Georgia, right? And Mike Jones, you know, you know about Mike Jones. No, but seriously, the thing is with it, getting that experience back to kind of help him either go rush the quarterback, you know, in an edge position like Ojolari probably will do, or to play like that Mike or Jack linebacker, like, you know, and be the team captain back there, kind of hold it together. That's big. Now, Notre Dame ranked 15th in team defense last year, right? So a guy like Brian Kelly, he's going to coach them hard. He's going to be pretty much hard-nosed defense. That's what he wants to do, right? LSU was ranked 70th, okay, 70th last year in that same stat. Again, they've got teams like Bama, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Texas A&M on the schedule, right? So they need to create pressure, 
okay? They have got to create pressure. What I mean by that is, is you know, you get those guys, Ojolari, you go out and get Mike Jones, you get your defensive line to come in there, start getting after the quarterback, then that's going to help bail that secondary out, right? Get them on the same page, get them rolling early. Man, it'll be fun to watch. I, my season prediction for LSU this year, I got them going 6-6. Six and six. Okay, that's my that's my prediction. That's what I think. I think they go six and six. Uh, if you go back and look at maybe some of Brian Kelly's first years, it's pretty pedestrian, pretty middle of the road. Can they shock somebody and maybe do a lot better than that? I see it kind of being hard just based off their schedule, who they're playing, this, that, the other, uh, some of the road games they're playing. I I just don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be a very stacked SEC, and I don't see LSU getting past a lot of these teams at the top of the SEC and even in the midpoint of the SEC, right? But it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Flat Rock Sports presents Cruton Talk. We've got another great segment of Cruton Talk, and that starts right now. First up on our list of at Cruton Talk, we've got Texas. Okay, now Texas just signed the number five cornerback in Malik Muhammad. Now he's the number 43 player in the country, and that actually is going to help bump Texas up to the number four class. Now they've done a great job at recruiting this year, right? They got Arch Manning. They've got some of these other guys. And listen, they're getting more of these defensive players. Now they need to get more defensive linemen and more backers and stuff like that. But I think if they do that, they're going to be really hard to stop. Next up on the list, we've got Georgia. Now Georgia's addressing a lot of defensive uh, talent issues that they've had sort of depart for the NFL in this class. They just signed the number 25 defensive tackle in Jamal Jarrett. Now he's the number 180 player in the country, and it actually helps move Georgia up to the number three class in the country. Now here's what's interesting. He's been compared to Jordan Davis, which if you remember Jordan Davis, you know he was a mountain of a man that ran, I want to say like a 4840, 4740, something like that. And and that was really impressive. This is what they're hoping Jamal Jarrett can be for him. Last up on our list here, we've got Stanford. Now, Stanford, we've talked about them a couple episodes ago on our uh, hot, Hunt's Hot Seat rating, right? And one of the things that Stanford just did is they actually signed the number 23 edge player in the class in Hunter Clegg. Now, he is the number 189 player in the country. And actually, that helped moves that's going to help move them up to the number 35 class in the country all the way up from number 51 where they were at when we covered them let's take a look just around college football and some of the different recruiting classes okay again notre dame and ohio state they're kind of mixing it up a little bit right now ohio state is number one notre dame is at number two georgia is up at number three then there's texas at number four we've got penn state at five clemson at six Tennessee at number seven. Bama's jumping up there. They're at number eight. Remember, they were 13, 14, 12, somewhere like that. Last time we covered them, now they're all the way up to number eight. LSU is at number nine. Oklahoma is, it, is at 10. Miami is at 11. Arkansas is at 12. How about USC? USC's climbing up. They're at number 12. Then we've got Baylor at number 14 and Texas Tech at number 15. You've got some programs out here that are doing some great things. And like I said, they're they're being relevant. Again, you look at Miami, you look at Arkansas, the fact that Oklahoma right now is over Lincoln Riley and USC, that's a big, that's a big time thing right now. There's again, there's still a long way until we get into the season, until we get to signing day, but you gotta be excited uh, for what's going on in college football right now. Flat Rock Sports presents Hunt's Hot Seat. 
All right, so we had a good one for you today on Hunt's Hot Seat as we're going to be taking a look at Arizona State coach Herm Edwards, all right? Now, Herm Edwards actually came over from the NFL, right? He had a 56-78 and 78 record uh, while with the Jets and Chiefs, and he's been, this will be his fourth year at Arizona State. Now, in four years at Arizona State, he's put up a 25-18 and 18 record. Last year, he actually put up an 8-5 and five record. You might be saying to yourself, hey, I don't really remember the last time Arizona State's really been relevant. And you're talking about a guy being on the hot seat, yet he's had three bowl game appearances, right? Although he's lost two of them. He had an eight and five record last year, which it's not bad. I mean, it's not like he was going, you know, five and seven or, you know, three and nine or something like that, right? Why put him on the hot seat? Well, part of it is because he's actually ranked right now with the 89th recruiting class, okay? He's averaged the 52nd recruiting class since arriving. He does a really good job. Herm Edwards does a great job at coaching all things. You know, he, he does a great job at coaching all that talent that he gets. And it's not necessarily that they're the most talented people out there. It's just he does a really good job at managing that, right? Part of what has him on the hot seat, though, is he's facing NCAA you know, uh, an investigation from the NCAA, right? There are some recruiting violations that they've said have been going on that resulted in four coaches being fired. They've had a huge portion of their team transfer away, right? And we talked about that a little bit at top of the broadcast with Jaden Daniels, right? He was uh, transferred over to LSU, right? But a lot of their players are, are leaving, you know, and, and when you're you're looking at it, okay, well, if your better players are leaving, that's really not good, right? And that's kind of what's going on. He's 68 this year, so he's not going to get any younger, right? I put this, I'm going to put this as a solid nine, okay? I'm going to put it as a solid nine. They need, here's the reality of the situation, right? Whenever you face an, an investigation, right? When I was doing my research into Brian Kelly, it's funny enough, this popped up when that whole thing with the tutor happened, right? Where he got in some trouble, they had to vacate wins, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things, one of the articles I found from a Notre Dame sports writer was saying, the only thing he can do to fix this is he's got to go out and win. A 9-10 win season is the only thing you can do in order to make this go away. You've got to be successful following uh, the violations and following the reports out there, right? So again, I'll say this. This year, he needs to win 9 or 10 games. And when a bulk of your roster is leaving, you're trying to figure some things out, you kind of are going to be playing from behind, it seems like, all year. Now, you never know, right? You never know what can happen. I mean, look at Texas A&M last year with a guy like Zach Calzada, who was probably not really expected to play that much, comes in, beats Bama. They could potentially pull off a 9 or 10 win season this year, right? But eh, I don't know. We'll see. They cannot lose another large portion of players to the transfer portal, right? They have got to keep, the, again, that's part of how, if you want to be relevant, you have to recruit the best talent you can, and you have to manage them, and you have to develop them. You can't let them leave. You can't let them, you can't lose them to other schools, right? It's one thing if they declare for the draft or something like that. That's one thing, but you got to keep the talent you got. Again, we just talked about this a little bit more. They've got to be better at recruiting. They need to sneak up into the top 20, really the top 15 of recruiting. 
it's hard to do that, right? I mean, again, they're kind of a little ways away from the hotbed of talent. I mean, probably the best shot they're going to have is to try to start landing some more California prospects, maybe some Texas prospects, right? Uh, they may be a little further away and really low down on some of the Florida and Georgia boards, right? But uh, that's that's really what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to start establishing some of these pipeline states, right? Again, there's too many other younger, you know, potentially more talented coaches that could open these pipelines back up that may have these connections, right? Think Jeff Lebby, some of these other guys. Here's the comparison I want to think. Think about that old hot rod that, you know, that gets 12 miles to the gallon, right? It looks classic. It's seamless, right? It should work. It's 12 miles to the gallon. Think about that new hybrid, though, that gets 50 miles to the gallon, right? The point is, it's a more efficient vehicle, right? Especially now with everything with gas and all that stuff, right? So that's really the difference here, right? You go out and get you a younger coach. I, I think, like I said, I think it could be a very effective thing for Arizona State. Now, here's what I recommend, right? I, I recommend that they look elsewhere, right? as realignment's going on and we're going to see whether or not like i said he can hold down a gutted pac-12 you're getting ready to see a lot of teams jump ship and the trend right now that we've been seeing with all this is it seems like a lot of programs are getting rid of their coaches they're getting these guys in they're letting them get a couple of years of experience as they're moving into this conference getting a year or two of experience hey we're jumping over to the the big 12 or the big 10 maybe the uh, sec whatever have you that could be something that if you're an Arizona State fan, you might want to be on the lookout for. You know, with that being said, that's actually going to conclude this episode of the Flat Rock Sports Podcast, your source for daily college football content. As always, I'm your host, Christian Hunt, and we'll catch you next time.